We've been talking for the last few weeks about what it looks like to be connected. And we talked the two big pieces of the puzzle. I'm going to drink first because I got a serious case of cotton mouth in the first service. And that was just like everything just started to lock up here. I'm trying to get there this time. With the first piece of the puzzle were this. The reason you need to be connected in a group, in a small group of Christians, in a, in a group of Christians that you can really know and they can really know you is because of this. Number one, that above all other things is the best avenue to help you grow in your love for God. When you see God's work in their life, when you hear them share what God's laid on their heart and, and taught from you, when you have a leader who's studying the scriptures and opening the, the, the thing to you, then the, your love of God will grow. Thereby making you the best, a better Christian and making you a better follower of Christ. And then as you take that love you're growing for God and you begin to share it amongst the brothers and sisters who meet in a group, who really know each other, who really love each other, then the, we are fulfilling the two greatest commandments Jesus, Jesus were the greatest. He said this was the, the greatest commandment. The first commandment is this, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. He said the second is like it, to love your brother, to love one as yourself. Am I right? And so we're here where we've built these two pieces. We've talked about them. And we've talked about how the, 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 they're, 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 they're really basic foundation, foundational purposes all of us have. And they're this. The, two, the first two we talked about deal with the love of God. We said we are called, we are created to worship. And that worship is the laying down of one's life. In the Old Testament, there were sacrifices. The life was taken from an animal. They called that worship in the Old Testament. It was sacrifice on order. In Romans 12, 1, the, the Apostle Paul says, here's appropriate worship in a New Testament church, that you present yourself, your body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. You love God so much, you just lay down everything, that doesn't, that, that, everything about you, and you just give it to him. And also, in order to do that, if we really love God, we will obey him. So we need to understand the pattern and the concepts, the things that, that, that please him as our Savior, and that's discipleship. So we're taking worship and discipleship, all have to do with our love for God, growing in our love for God, being what he wants to be. But there are also two other things that are, that are, that are foundational purposes for every follower of Christ. That is to be in fellowship and to be involved in ministry. Fellowship is being together, is growing together, is loving another so deeply that you would help them, that you prefer them above yourself. And then you serve them, that's called ministry, because you are, you are involved in their life. They are involved in your life. They've earned the right to speak into your life, and you've earned the right to speak into their life. And that love for others grows and grows and grows in the context of that small group setting. So are you with me so far? We've talked about four different purposes. We're going to talk about the fifth purpose that we're going to deal with in this series today. And I want to ask you guys a question as we go there. How many of you right here in this room feel like you are a great evangelist? I got one hand. That's better than the first service because I got zero in the first service. But it proves my point because the last purpose is this. We're to be, is it, the last purpose of every of Christ is to be is evangelism. We are to take the message, right? We are to take the gospel, right? We are to, 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 to be about that kind of business, right? But most of us are like, man, I don't even know how to do that. I don't know how to accomplish that. I, I want to give you some, 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 good, some good insight. Are you with me? Are you, are you going to follow me? We start out in Acts chapter 2. I'm going I'm to share something with you. Kingdom advancement or the evangelism of the world is this. It's a team sport. God does not expect you to do it all by yourself. And in fact, trying to do it is probably messing it up. 
Acts chapter 2 is where we've started. Let's look there again. Are you with me so far? Acts chapter 2. Many of us don't feel effective as evangelists, but we can fix that problem because it takes all of us. Acts chapter 2, listen to these words and let them get them in your spirit one more time. And they, check this out, it's a they thing. You get that? It's not a he thing or a she thing or a me thing or an I thing or a, or a you thing. It's a, a we thing. It's an us thing. It's a plural thing. Are you with me? I, I was in, I think my sophomore year of high school, they, we, we, our, our, our curriculum for phys ed when I was in Florida was individual and dual sports. Okay? Which means, I'm going to sound sarcastic, and if some of you guys enjoy these kinds of things, just bear with me because I don't. Is that all right? We did exciting stuff like archery. But it's not like archery like what Patrick and these hunters do. It was like these weird little plastic little things and these crazy little target. And I'm like, what are we doing out here? We did stuff like ping pong. Oh, boy, I love ping pong. And tennis. And I love tennis. Oh, I, I do not. My wife and I tried to pick up tennis. When we first got married, we lived near some tennis courts, and we bought tennis rackets, and we got balls, and we stunk up. Whoa. I heard a story once while the pastor was preaching, the glory of God came down and split the pulpit in half. And I thought, uh-oh, we were right here in the middle of that, maybe. I don't know what that was. Thank you, Jesus. And we were horrible. But see, I'm, I'm totally like a team guy. Oh, I dig team sports. Oh, I love football. Football is awesome. My dad and I were talking yesterday watching the Buckeye game. The Buckeye defense is playing well. But the most amazing thing about it, there are no superstars on the Buckeye defense. Most of them, most of us had never heard of most of them before they started playing. And they're playing amazing football. And they're doing some crazy things. But it's team, dude. It's all about team, you know. I, my, my next favorite sport is probably basketball. And it's team, man. I love team stuff. You know what I mean? I just, ah. And so I love this thing about evangelism because it's a team deal, man. It takes all of us doing our part, playing our role, doing our thing to do what we can do to advance the kingdom. And so here in Acts chapter 2, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. We've talked about all, what all of those things mean. Then fear came upon every soul, and listen to this, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed, how many? All? We're together, you get this, you get this concept happening, it's togetherness, it's connectedness, it's they, it's them, it's plural, it's us, it's, it's, it's all. They're together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Think West 4th Street. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Now listen to this next line. I love this. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Daily people were coming to know Christ. And you know what I look in this, pic in, in, in this picture of the gospel? You know what I see? Here's the amazing evangelistic things they were doing. Are you ready? Listen to what they were doing. They taught... They ate. How many guys are on that one? They prayed, and they took care of one another. 
And you know what? There's no thing in there that says they started this amazing evangelism department. They taught these amazing classes. They did this stuff and had this whole program going on for evangelism. No, they didn't do that. You know what they did? They, they, they just, they just, they just, they were being Christ-like. That's a novel idea, isn't it? Because, see, we get amped up because we don't think we know enough. If somebody's going to ask us a question. We, we, we get amped up because we think we gotta, we got to have some sort of amazing training. And, man, if I just went to Bible college like Aaron did, man, I could really tell people how Jesus took care of him and, and, and could save himself. You no, know, it's not about that. You know, it's about, it's about you being what God called you to be and you being that within the context of the church of Jesus Christ. And that being takes care of the work we have to do. Here's, the, here's, what, I, here's, here's what I believe. We get caught up with doing evangelism. We want to do evangelism. But Jesus didn't call us that. He said, you will be witnesses. We want to do something. But Jesus says, be something. We want to have a list of things to accomplish. Jesus says, just, hey, would you just be? He called us, this is, he called us, we're, we're called human what? Beings. Oh. How many of y'all go into work? Some of you have people at work, you say, I wish they'd just be a human doing. Some of you employers probably have people who you wish they would just do something. You know what? We've got to, I, I was singing as I was going through this. You guys ever heard that song by the newsboys called Shine? You ever heard that song? The lyrics go something like this. Shine, let them wonder what you got. Make them wish that they were not. On the outside, looking bored, looking in, or something like that. Something, what was it? I felt like, they, if you're not with Jesus, I feel like you should be bored all the time. Because it's supposed to be a great adventure, you know what I mean? Following Jesus should make, it should make everybody enticed. When you're following Jesus, this, this experience is not boring. If you're really following Christ and he's ordering your steps, this is not a boring existence. This is true life. True excitement. True, the word enthusiasm comes from these two words. In theos, which is in God. You can only truly be enthusiastic so much as you are in God. Did you know that? So yes, I'm enthusiastic and I'm wearing an Ohio State thing, but wearing Ohio State has nothing to do with my enthusiasm this morning. I'm enthusiastic about the Buckeyes, but you know what? The enthusiasm I have for Jesus and the things of God way outweigh my support of the Buckeyes. Are you hearing me? And I see people get enthusiastic and paint their chest red and put, and I, I can be prone to do that sometimes. But you know what? What I have inside of me is so much more important than any leather football or any marching band or whatever. And so I am enthusiastic. Here, let me, let me show you a little, 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 little thing here. You with me so far? This, do you like this lamp? Is that a pretty lamp? I mean, I like my lamp. You guys like my lamp? Is that pretty? It looks nice sitting there on the thing, doesn't it? Isn't that beautiful?
in the world is wrong with this beautiful lamp? One thing, it needs a connection to a source that's bigger than itself. Okay, so if our connection is him, he's bigger than us, isn't he? How many of you guys would agree God's bigger than us? Anybody out there? Are you glad he's bigger than us? Look at all the power we need, right? All things are possible, right? Woo, that'll preach. All things are possible, okay? So we've got this big connection. Now, if I take this and I plug this thing into this big connection, this big power source, check this, watch what happens. Wait a minute. Now, what in the world is wrong with that stupid lamp? If my, my oldest son were here, he'd say, Dad, don't stay stupid. He's the stupid police. Anytime you say stupid or other words you're not supposed to say, he lets you know you shouldn't be saying them. What's wrong with this lamp? Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. <sighs> Forgot that. Now, hang on, just let me do something else. Okay, see that? We got something going on now, don't we? Now, I put the piece of the, the lamp back in that should have connected all the parts, right? So I got, there's parts that need to be here. There's a connection to a greater power source that needs to be here. But if I do not have both of them, what happens? Now, if I take my connection to this greater power source, if I take the parts that should be there, Everything has to play its part. There's a wire that runs up the trunk here. There's a, there's, a, there's a base. There's a shade. There's a switch. And there's a bulb. And look what happens. See, I can have this connection to God, but if all I have is that connection to God and it's just me and him, I'm not going to get very far. But if I have a connection to others, but no connection to him, I'm not going to get very far. But if I take my connection to him, couple that with the connection to other people who are chasing after him like I'm chasing after him, suddenly something amazing happens. Illumination starts. See, the, the, the piece of the puzzle we're missing right here, we're, gonna, we're creating this picture, right? We got the foundational piece always starts with God. Without him we can do nothing, am I right? God places us in, in his kingdom and joins us with other people. And then the other thing that being a part of, uh, of a group of people who are going the same direction, doing the same things, who really know each other and really love each other. You want the other piece of the puzzle? Anybody ready for the other piece of the puzzle? The other piece of the puzzle is how we get accomplished what we need to accomplish. See, with these two connections, some amazing thing happens. An illumination takes place. We begin to shine. And then suddenly, there's this thing called church triumphant that begins to take shape and has movement and has illumination and grows and becomes all that it's supposed to become. Matthew 5, 14. Can you go with me? Look at that. We, look, we grow in love both for God and each other. What is the result? We shine. 
See, it's not, this, this shining is not necessarily an action of itself. It's a result of the other things that we're currently involved in. It begins to take place. Listen to these words. Where are we at? Matthew 5, 14. Light. We'll talk about light. Jesus said this. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who, all, all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine before men. If we go back to the beginning of these things, Jesus says you act like light. Is that what he said? He used a verb here, a verb to be. You are not acting like light. You are light. Do you see the difference? We're trying to, to act like something when God just says, be that. Be light. You are light. The light of God should be reflecting out of your life. And it's not something you have to conjure up, something you've got to make happen. If you are loving God with all your heart, if you are loving others uh, as yourself, if you're growing in this community, then naturally the next thing that takes place is a shining, an illumination of the kingdom and the truth and the love of Jesus. It's about being, it's not about doing. That word see in Matthew 5.14, I talked about how many of you guys go to festivals and stuff? Like pumpkin show. How many, were, how, many, how many people went to the pumpkin show? I'll bet a hunk of you did this. You went to your favorite food stand, maybe Bennett's fish stand or Bennett's tenderloin or them fried, them fried veggie places. You got your food because you ate, right? I mean, you're like that eating thing. Remember we were talking about being a witness? They ate. Hey, I'm on that. Sat down somewhere, you're with your homies, and then you're eating and you go, did you see them? What are they doing? It's crazy. It's good. Did you look at her hair? What is she thinking? I don't know. I don't know. What are you doing? And, and you begin to observe. You're on the outside looking into some activities of other people, right? Some of you just go to the malls, and that's all you do. You'll sit in that big main concourse at the mall. You'll find your place by the fountain. You'll grab your favorite whatever drink is there at the mall, your smoothie or whatever, and you'll sit there for a couple hours and just go, dude, this is hilarious. And then you'll see certain families and certain things. You'll, you'll be like, man, they really got it, going, they got it going on. Look how that husband's loving that wife. Look how, them, look how those kids love their dad. Have you ever been there and watch, just, just observed something like that from the outside and thought, man, that's, that's where it's all at? You ever done that? Well, it's the same kind of idea here in Matthew 5. He says, men will see your good works. They will observe. They will be looking from the outside, looking in. They will see what's going on amongst you. You are the light, and they will glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Go back to Matthew 5, or not Matthew, Luke, or Acts chapter 2. And, and here they're doing all this stuff, just loving God, just loving each other. There's no evangelism program. There's no, there's no big department they got up and running. They're just being what Jesus said be. And suddenly, people are added to the church daily. See, he, called, he told us in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, wait for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power to go do evangelism. 
Are you all with me? Is that what he said? What did he say? He said you will go, wait on the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power to be witnesses. You see the difference? And they went in the upper room, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out, people speak in tongues, things, crazy things happen, a crowd begins to draw, 3,000 get saved, man, it's an amazing, amazing event, the, the, the birth of the church takes place right there, and then every day after that, because they were just being those witnesses that the Holy Spirit had encouraged them to be, they were loving God, they were loving each other, that's the two things we know from that passage of scripture that they did, and the church is being added to daily. Wow! Sometimes I think we've got it wrong. That's why I say it would be great for the church of Jesus Christ to pack a load to minister to this, minister to this family and, 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 and Chillicothe. What if everybody on the outside goes, look, the church has got their stuff. I want to be a part. If we ever have need, it would be a good thing for us to be a part of the church of Jesus because they take care of their folks. They take care of their folks better than the government takes care of us. Wouldn't that be awesome? Huh? Wow, that's where it's at. Well, anyway, are you still with me? John 13, 34, Jesus said these words. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then verse 35, he comes along, he says this, by this, all people will know you are my disciples. Jesus said, if you want to evangelize the world, this is how you do it. All people will know you are my disciples because you do what? You love one another. And the amazing thing about this story is, in context, is found in John 13, which is obvious because the scripture reference is on the screen, right? You know what the context of John 13 is? Guess what Jesus is doing? Guess who he has with him? He's got his little group. Those 12 guys. His little connection group. His disciples. His, and he's about to suffer betrayal from one of them. He's going to love him anyway. They're connected. They're eating together at this thing called the Last Supper. They're celebrating Passover together. They're fellowshipping. They're interacting. They're doing all those things. We talk about Acts chapter 2. And Jesus looks at them and, and, and he, said, he said, i got one more thing else I want to I do for you guys. And this is very significant because I'm getting ready to leave. And Jesus goes and he grabs a pitcher. And he grabs a basin. He grabs a towel. He wraps that towel and that thing around his waist. He goes down and he bows down before every one of those guys who are his homies. I watched this thing last night about these, about these gang guys and how they'll go out and they'll do anything to take care of their family even to the point of killing somebody. And on the one hand, I went, it'd be really cool if the church could be that connected, that they would go to any extent to be there for one another. How cool would that be? So we're going to pass out life, not death. Man, it's just taking that to the other extreme and just, man, we love so greatly, man, that just life happens around us instead of death like those guys. They kept talking, well, my homies were over here. They were interviewing these guys. My home, and here's Jesus with his homies. I can't stand that shirt that says, Jesus is my homeboy. I just, I'm just trying to say that. Okay, I don't know what that, that's just not, I don't know. I'm glad he's my friend and he's my savior, but he's also my Lord and my king. And so he's really like my homeboy, although I want to be really connected to him. Does that make sense? That's just a personal thing. Sorry. If you have a t-shirt, don't be in condemnation. I'm just not personally fond of it. Okay. 
Um, and so they find themselves there, and Jesus is, is, is washing their feet, and he's loving on them. And the, the, have, you ever, have you guys ever been to a foot washing deal? Dude, I can remember two in my life I've ever been to, and you want to talk about emotional, and you want to talk about connectedness to the people who are involved in that. Dude, it's craziness. I, I can remember one time as, as youth pastors, we had some of, our, some of the kids, we had you know, a connection group at our house, and we had somebody else taking care of the group teaching that night, and we thought they were going to teach a lesson. And then you know what they do? They show up with all these kids. They have two basins of water, and every person in our house, every person that being washed Rachel and I's feet, and we bawled, and we cried, and I'm telling you something, it was amazing. It was unbelievable. One of the most amazing ministries I ever saw in the street of Toronto was, was one of our missionaries washing the feet of a homeless person and watch the tears fall down his face. Watch him just completely come unglued. Dude, it's, cra- it's craziness. It's something so simple. It just seems like it's kind of weird, you know, we wouldn't do that. But, man, I'm just telling you. And here Jesus is, the creator of the universe my dad just talked about. No one recognize people in Ross He bows down before his creation and begins to wash them. Dude, he says, and it's, he goes in verse, I think it's verse 30 somewhere. No, verse 12. He says, you know what I've done to you? You come with teacher and Lord, you say, well, for I am. If you then, if, if I then, being your Lord teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And he says this, I've given this to you as an example. In other words, I want you to love each other and do crazy loving things stuff that nobody else will think about doing, and I want you to show it, and I want, I want it to be, oh, I want you guys to be, ugh. This is one of the last things he's going to teach them. And you know what's funny about it? He's not teaching anything. He's doing something. He's being what he, what he is. He's being love. He's being compassion. He is being caring. He's being all those things right there in that moment. And I thought about Jesus. I thought about it all, all week this week. The most amazing lessons I ever learned from Christ are not when he was teaching. When he was being. And I thought of the lady with the, caught in the act of adultery. And he's standing there. He's with all these people. And they're flying accusations everywhere. And they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And he gets, I guess he just, I don't have time to mess. He starts writing in the sand. What are these? These guys have no idea why I've come. What is all? And they let them through their thing. He stands up and he goes, oh, okay, I got an answer. Everybody's looking. Won't you, without sin, cast the first stone? All of a sudden, people disperse. He just walks over to her. Because he said, he, he knew they couldn't, they couldn't be that. They were doing all sorts of things. They had all sorts of things they were doing, looking like they were apart. They could not be that person without sin. Jesus could be that person, and he could be that love, and he could be that. He just looks at her, and he goes, where are your accusers? And she says, they're, I don't know where they are. They're not here. And he goes, neither do I condemn you. Go and send them more. And for the first time, I have a grasp on the love of God. I just, it just hits you in the chest. And then think about this. Another time, Jesus is just being who he was. He goes to the temple. He's just walking. He had no intention of, of, of doing much of anything except worshiping like everybody else. He's just going there. And he sees things that are out of sorts. And in that moment, you find out about the holiness of God. He's doing the, he starts ripping up tables and throwing things around and saying, this is not what we're supposed to be about. And he's just being that holiness. He's just being that zealousness. He's just being that. And you learn more about who he was just by him being. And think about this. Think about him in the garden. Learn about surrender more than any teacher, teaching I ever heard. I see Jesus in the garden. There he is. Guess with who? His buddies again, just them. 
And he's knelt down there and he's asking God what he should do, how he should. And he says, he says these words, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And in that moment, I understand more about a surrendered life to the will of God than I ever learned any message, any teaching. Jesus was just being that. Now let's talk about forgiveness. Think about Jesus being forgiveness. There he is in the corporate setting, hanging naked, beaten and bruised on a tree, thorns in his head, nails in his hands, stripes on his back, a spear in his side, and he's looking down over these people who have done all that, and he goes, Father, forgive them. And in that moment, in him just being him, being life, being love, being forgiveness, I see what that truly looks like suddenly. And see, it's more important about what we are than what we do. Because if we are what we're supposed to be, we will be doing what we're supposed to be doing. And it will naturally flow out of our lives. And so if we will be the church, if we will be the connection group, if we'll find ourselves connected where we need to be connected, man, life and things will change in the lives of other people. Christina's, who are trying to find out what life is all about, will find Christ and find that place where she can grow with him. I am kind of wound up. This is round two, and I'm still crazy. You know how I know this works? Because we were given one little testimony about it. Now she's not a little it's a big testimony. Think of Nancy Carter's testimony she gave a few weeks ago in here when she started this thing about connection groups. Her brother-in-law, Danny, is hard toward the kingdom, mocks this church, anything to do with Christianity. He finds himself not well in the hospital, life and death, been revived on a couple occasions, that close. And because this group is wrapped around a lady named Nancy Carter and Dora Carter, because they love them so much, they start to pray for this loved one of theirs. They begin to pray for, for, for Danny. They begin to pray for Sue, his wife. Not only do they, they do that, they love Nancy and Dora so much that they start putting cards together that have gas money on them and, and food resources. And then when they're making trips back and forth almost every day, some of them go visit and ask Danny to pray. And at first he's like, no, I don't think so. And Nancy keeps going, and she keeps praying, and she keeps bringing little gifts from their connection group. Keep giving them, keep giving them. And then a few weeks ago, Danny goes, hey, Sue, what are you doing? I'm writing out a thank you note to that church. You know what? When I get out of here, I'm going to that church, a church he mocked, a church that he, he didn't want anything to do with, a church he made fun of. Why? Because the people of God were so connected to God, so connected to each other, that the love of God was plainly seen, and it melted his cold, hard heart. That's what I'm talking about. Don't you want to be a part of a group, of a movement like that? Ah, oh, that's how the church was added to daily. The individuals touched the lives of other individuals, and it touched the lives of other individuals, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. So what's our MO? The, 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 the book of Acts had, a, had an MO, a modus operandi, a method of operation. Acts chapter 2, we read about Acts chapter 4, it just stays the same. Jo Peter and John are taken into captivity. They're persecuted. They get out of jail, get to go home, and the very first thing it says in verse 23 is, they go to their companions. Not anybody, just those they were tight with. They went and found their buddies, that little group of people they knew would pray for them. They pray and they pray and they pray. The Bible says in verse 31 of Acts chapter 4, the place where they were all gathering together was shaken because of the power of God as a result of the prayer, just like Acts chapter 2, of them being together. 
And in verse 32 it says, multitudes of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. They were connected. Multitudes, a team, a group of people. Neither did anyone say any of the things he possessed was his own. They had all things common. Look at this. Again, we read in Acts chapter 2, just like Acts chapter 4, with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that awesome? Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. They brought all things before the apostles, and they gave to anyone who had need. Verse, Acts chapter 5, verse 12 and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. I'm going to say this again. We look for that kind of stuff. We want that kind of stuff. We believe in that kind of stuff here. We want to see the, 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 the sick healed. We want to see miraculous things happen. We want the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. If you look at this thing right here, this is how these things came about. This is when that happened. When they were being what God called them. They grew in love for God and love for one another. Those things started happening because they would just go out and be that. And God would find places for them to expose those gifts and to be used supernaturally. He would do that. This thing we're talking about is not about, I love this, I love this building. I love this property. I love that we get to come here and worship. But you know what? What we're, what we're all about has nothing to do with this property per se. What God has called us to do has everything to do with what goes on outside of here when God is allowing us to be what we're supposed to be. I am grateful. I love the fact we have a, a place to come and gather together corporately. But what goes on here should only be a reflection of what we're already doing out there. And we should, when, when things are going on out there, we talk about being a celebration service on Sunday morning. Watch out. And I just believe that. And I'm wound up about it. I don't know. That's what they did. They didn't have a church, but they just went to the temple, hung out, was already there, went back to houses and, and, and studied and grew together, and boom, things just started happening. Never read a building program in the book of Acts. You ever read one? I never read one. I don't know. I mean, I'm not against them. I don't, you know, well, I can't say that because I'm like, dude, I could never build a building. I don't, I don't even know what that, I don't, how do you even do that? I don't even know. I'm just like a, I'm an industrial doofus. I mean, I, that is so far over my head. I have no idea even how to, I don't know nothing about that. But when God wants us to, we will. But it's not about building a building. It's about advancing the kingdom. If we need to build one to keep advancing the kingdom, we'll do it. All right. Anyway, I don't know. The, method, the MO of Jesus, he just served. He was humble. Philippians 2. He came in the likeness of a man, became obedient even to ser, uh, to, as a servant, even to the point of death. The Bible says, in light of his humility, in light of him being who he was, that's the reason God exalted his name above every other name. He was just being that. He was just being that was his MO. That was what he did. He was being that, and therefore, the lost became saved because Jesus was being that. Let's talk about us, our MO. If you read down on Philippians chapter 2, that should be, it is right, chapter 2, verses 12 through 15. After he talks about Jesus being that, the, the, the thing that, that every tongue would confess and every knee would bow to, he says, therefore, my beloved, my homies, my friends, my family, therefore, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now listen to this, for it is God who works. It's God who works. He's doing the activity. If we're about being what he wants us to be, he will do the work. If we're obedient, if we're just being what he says, if we're loving him with all of our heart, if we're loving each other as we love, as we love ourselves, if we're doing that, he will do the work, both to will and do for his good pleasure. Now listen to this next line. Do all things without complaining and disputing. How many have ever witnessed to someone, try to get them to come to church, invite them, and they're like, dude, I've been to church before. Man, I don't need that. 
all that hypocrisy, all that complaining, all that gossip and backbiting. Man, I don't need that. You ever heard, ever talk to anybody about that? Isn't it funny? Jesus, uh, Paul's giving instruction here, and he goes, and you know, be obedient and do things without, grum- without complaining and disputing. You know what he's talking about? He said, make sure your relationship with each other are in check. Make sure you're being what you should be with each other, with the other people in the body of Christ. Because he says this, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. He says the thing that's going to set you apart from everybody else is how you treat one another in the confines of your relationship with the body of Christ. The thing that makes you shine in a perverse generation is that you don't dispute, that you don't complain with one another, that you're not at each other all the time, that you're really loving each other. That's the thing that's going to make the difference. Did you get that? I thought that's the two things he could have said in that thing. You know. I don't know what else would you put in there. Uh, don't commit adultery. And don't be addicted to drugs and alcohol. You'll shine in a perverse and wicked generation. Those are the things we think of as perverse and wickedness, don't we? He didn't say that. He said, don't dispute and don't complain. Talking about our interactions as a body of Christ. He says this. That you may, in the, that you, 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 that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Listen to this. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. It's amazing, isn't it? We make it a lot more difficult than it really is, don't, don't we? So what's my point today? My point is this. I, my point is that if we're going to see God do what God did, we got to do what they did. God started this thing. I had a conversation yesterday at the, at the, at the funeral. One of the guys working for the funeral director goes to another church here in town. They've recently, in the last couple of years, gone to two services. They're doing small groups, all that kind of thing. Pretty good-sized church. And uh, he's like, he asked me this question. He said, dude, do you think it's all right not to know everybody who you go to church with? And I went, what do you mean? He said, well, we know we're doing two services now. We're doing this small group thing. We don't have a Sunday night service anymore and something. And I went, I asked him, I said, bro, I talk that way. I know a lot of pastors don't say that kind of thing. That's why I talk. So I just said, I said, bro, um, the church started Acts chapter 2. They went from 120 people who could probably, maybe 120. We know, we know when they first got in the room, there were 120 people there. They didn't really say how many were there once the Holy Spirit was poured out, but we know they at least had 120. You know, they started there at 120. Maybe there was less, maybe there were, we don't know. Okay? Somewhere around that same, they started. On the same day, on that very day, 3,000 people were added to the church. On the day the church started, everybody didn't know everybody. And he went, oh, really? Well, yeah, but yeah. And I said, but you know what they did do? They met corporately at the temple, and they met from house to house, so they could know and be known. They had their group of people around them, so they would, that people would know their needs and have their stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. well, I never really thought about, yeah, you're, I guess you're kind of, yeah. Well, I don't, I'm, just trying to get, I'm just trying to get used to that. See, we, we have to get used to something that God already started in the first place. 
This whole idea of connection group was never, it's an old idea. It's not new. Some of you are like, dude, I went to church and we had Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night, and we had fellowship dinners on Friday, and, we did, and we're doing everything always together all the time, and, and it's just kind of a weird deal. I agree with that. But that was, we're the ones who went off track. It wasn't, it wasn't, the Bible didn't get off track. We had to get it back on. And what was God doing having them do small groups back in them days? I don't know. As if we had it right and he had it wrong. So here's my, here's my thing to you. You have a God who is bigger than anything. And yet he chooses to live within the lives of other people, in the lives of humanity. And yet he chooses to manifest himself through other people. And the only way you're ever going to truly, I believe this on my heart, be all that you can be is for you to be con- as connected to his body as you can be, the way he said to be connected to it. So we've been giving you chances to understand what a connection group is all about. They call it house-to-house ministry. Some people call it house churches. We've called it cell churches. They call it small groups. It's all the same thing. It's just got a little different name to it. And we want you to get involved in one because you know what? Me as a pastor, I know you're going to grow better in that environment than you are just about any place else. Really better than any place else. In that place, you're going to have people who care for you, who love you, who will, who will encourage you, who understand your need and, and start the process of meeting it. I just believe that. It's the way the church started. I told you last week about my own experience with, the, with the, an issue in our family and how just immediately, as soon as we had a need, it just manifested from the people in our group. It's amazing. So that's what I want you to do. If you're a leader here, Still, we've got leaders sitting around here. If you're a group leader of any kind, would you stand up and just please come forward? I'm not keep putting you on the spot. I'm going to keep putting you on the spot, and I'm going to keep doing it. My mom and dad meet on Friday nights on Watt Street. On Watt Street? Watt Street? Watt Street, yep. Right beside Sally's Barbershop, Billy and Irene Clark's place. Six o'clock? Six o'clock on Friday nights. Bill and Jody Whitfield. Been meeting, how long have you guys been down in that neck of the woods? Lots of years. 18 years, been doing a group down and around Jackson. Sunday nights, 6 o'clock. So if you're from parts other than Ross County, that'd be a good place for you to try and get plugged in if you're down in that neck of the woods. Amen? Tribulation proof down there in, that, in those hollers. Good place to be connected. <laughs> Lucinda Lockwood, her husband Richard, Dr. Lockwood, our group leaders, they meet on Monday nights, 7 o'clock on Charleston Pike, right up the road here. Burl and Beth Gorby, Circleville, Sunday evenings, Route 188, right, 5 o'clock. We've got a men's group that's going to be meeting after the first year. We've got a women's group that's going to be meeting on Tuesdays. Listen, here's my, here's my encouragement to you. Number one, if you have a need, we want to share in that need with you. That's why they're standing here. If you have something you need God to show up in, if you need to know Christ better, if you need to give your your life and your heart to him and understand you can be a part of this movement, this thing, this this picture of God growing in the earth and the kingdom of God being advancing, we will introduce you to him. But also, if you have great need, we will help you accomplish that, help you reach out to him and help you get through certain things. We will pray with you. If we can do other practical things to help you get through, we want to do that, but we got to be aware of it, number one. Number two, I want you, if you don't, you can stay with me if you like. I'm going to dismiss. You guys can. You guys can stand with me. Thanks, Joel. 
Dude, like, hey, listen to this. If you, don't have a, if you have a need, we want to pray and seek the face of the Lord with you. If you don't have a need, we want you to be connected to another part of the body of Christ. And so here's the deal. Find one of these guys. There's a whole rack of blue cards back there on that wall just behind that Jesus is King banner there. Shout Jesus is King banner. Right on the other flip side of it, there's, there's, some, there's some, some things there. Find one of those. Find one that meets relatively close to your home. If you're in Circleville, get Burl and Beth. If you're in Jackson, go to, go to Bill and Jody's. If you're out in this neck of the woods, man, Rich and Lucinda would love to have you on Monday nights. If you're down towards Chillicothe, you got Friday nights free, man, go to Watt Street. Watt Street. And so there's other ones out there that meet out here in this neck of the woods, that meet on other nights of the woods. There's a young adult group. What, what I'm saying is that's the most important thing. And listen, we pray for persecuted Christians. They're growing and continuing to grow because they meet in environments like this and don't have this, this that we have. And so that's, that's, that, that, that's the importance of it. If you'd like to, let's pray. Are you with me? Father, God, you see every life, every heart, everything here. God, we've sung about the, the impossible this morning. We've, th- we've thought about how amazing and big you are. We've prayed for other Christians. We've prayed for our servicemen. But God, God, if we need a connection, if we need something greater than that in our lives and what we're experiencing right now, God, we want you to fill that. We want you to be the all in all of that, Lord Jesus. And God, God, for each of these leaders, I pray, Father God, they would find themselves able to minister to the, to the body of Christ the way you want them to. And I pray, Jesus, that God needs would be met and lives would be changed. I pray, God, we would get behind what you say is the, is the paradigm the mode of operation, God, of your church. And that, God, we would flow and grow in it, Jesus, every day. God, I thank you, God, for this church. I thank you for these people. And I thank you, Jesus, you've called us to be a family. God, to grow both larger and smaller simultaneously, Jesus. God, to have connection. God, to reach multitudes. But, God, have that small group, Lord God, that, can, that we can call our own and we can love and grow in, Jesus. God, I praise you, Father, for these. God, we honor you and we bless you. It's in your name we pray. Listen, if